Good morning. How in the world are you? <laughs> Give God praise in the house of the Lord. Can you do so? You know, we had a great Father's Day uh, time last week, and if you didn't get the message, um, be sure to listen to that. It's, it's a message about really all of us drawing close to God. And if we can draw close to God, he'll help you in every situation, every situation. We're going to continue with our series on 2 Peter today, and we're going to talk about growing your faith in the knowledge of God, growing your faith. Do you know your faith can grow? Connect kids, you may be dismissed. <laughs> Do you know how many, how many of you, let me ask you this question. I don't want the answer. I want you to answer it to yourself. Has your faith grown in the last year? Have you seen your faith grown in the last year? Our, our, if I compared your faith you had five years ago and the faith you're in today, is there any difference? Are you believing God for greater works today than you used to? Do you have a greater understanding of God more today than you used to? Would you say <clears throat> if you were to look on a line of growth and you could say this is where I was, but now this is where I'm at, I can see that my faith has grown. This problem would have brought me down at one point, but this problem's not bringing me down anymore because I know in whom I believe in and I am persuaded. I'm on now. That he is able. And so I want to think I want you to think about this. Are you growing in faith? Is your faith growing or are you is last year the same as this year, meaning your faith hasn't changed? Nothing's changed. If you look five years, has your faith changed? Are you the same? Are you just repeating the same year over and over again? I remember reading a story of a teacher. She taught for 25 years, and she finally saw a spot where she really wanted. It was a little bit of an advancement, and uh, she wanted that position, and so she applied for it, but she didn't get the position. A, a, a teacher who was only teaching for three years got the position. She went to the, her authorities and said, I don't understand that. I have 25 years of experience, and yet you give this job to a teacher who has three years of experience. And her authority said to her, well, here's the problem, and this is what we see. You only have one year experience because you haven't changed anything. You haven't grown at all. You're still the same as your first year, so you really have 25 years of being the same. While this teacher, in the last three years, she has advanced and grown in so many ways, and so has her students. So we have to ask ourselves a question, because Peter is really emphasizing here immensely a list, and he says, if you do these things, you're going to grow your faith. Now, we want our faith to grow, don't we? Someone say amen. amen. We want our faith to grow because when, we, when our faith grows, our relationship grows with God. So let me ask you a question. If you had a relationship or you had a baby, let's take little Roman, <laughs> and, that, and, and, and this baby didn't grow. The baby stood at three months old and didn't grow. As you as a parent... What would you say? You would take the kid to the doctor. You would do everything because 
something that's supposed to happen naturally is not happening. And so you know the natural process is growth to take place. And if growth doesn't take place, then we have to find out why it's not taking place. Peter is giving us a real clear way of how we can grow in our faith. Here's the problem, and this is what I see. I don't see people wanting to grow in their faith. I feel, and I really do want to say I feel this, and I really sense this, is that we want to grow only if it's comfortable, only if it fits within the parameters of my life, only I want to grow only if it's conducive to my way of thinking and conducive to the way I like it. That is how we all are, every single one of us. That is simply called the flesh in which we live in, the old nature of man. But Peter is actually asking us to do something different so that we get a different response, a different result. Most people want a different result, but we're not willing to do something different. We still do the same thing over and over again, expecting, expecting something different. They call that the definition of insanity. How many have aquariums here? You have an aquarium? Anybody? Nobody has an aquarium. Oh, hallelujah, I was hoping for one. How big a tank do you have? 10 gallon? 20 gallon? 20 gallon, a little bigger than that. But 20. I used to have a lot of tanks growing up. I always had a fish tank in my house. I remember the day, I'm going to spill the beans. I remember the day we had a 30-gallon tank, and then we had two 10-gallon tanks. We're, in, we're going through swimming lessons, and my brother, my youngest brother, Kevin, <laughs> he decides to teach my mom and dad and all of us his swimming techniques. So he gets on the floor, and he starts swimming, and he puts his foot right through the 10-gallon tank. And all of a sudden, everybody just watched all the little fish going all over the floor. I mean, flopping everywhere. And we're just looking at it. No one's trying to stop the water. We're like, and all of a sudden, all fish all over the floor. And it's a mess. It is a mess if you break a tank in the house. Just let you know. But do you know the most popular fish that people like to have in their tank? It's a shark. This little six-inch reef shock, black tip, only six inches long, is probably one of the most popular things people like to have in their tank, is a little tiny shark. Now, I want you to understand something, that this shock is only six inches, and it's fully matured, because this shock will only grow according to the tank it's put in. Its size is determined by what the shock is put in. If it's in a five-gallon tank, the shock is going to grow according to the space he has. If he's in a 10-gallon tank, he'll grow a little bigger, 20, 30, 50, so forth. I want you to understand something that if you take this same shock that's only six inches in a 10-gallon tank and you put him in the ocean, he will grow up to six feet and bigger. And there's reasons for that. Because the shark eats differently out in the ocean. And he also has an atmosphere around him that causes him to grow bigger because he has more space. Now, I want to do a comparison this morning before we get into the text this morning. Because I like to look at Christians and sharks 
they have a lot in common. And no, this is not Shark Week. But I really want to take a bite out of you this morning. <laughs> That's a pun, shark, never mind. <laughs> Sharks and Christians have a lot in common, and this is it, because, see, the Lord has a lot of cute six-inch sharks swimming in little tiny puddles, and they're happy. They're happy in their small little puddle just swimming around. But God also knows your potential. God also knows who you are. God also knows your capabilities of what you can become. Someone say amen. amen. But sometimes in our life, we choose to stay comfortable. We choose to stay in a spot where we like it. And therefore, we don't want to go into another area because, well, that's going to discomfort me. And I want you to understand something that the shocks, the shocks, any, all shocks, they grow because they feed a lot more in the ocean. And what you feed on depends on how you grow. Someone say, what I feed on is how I grow. Now, if you feed on a lot of junk, you're going to grow. <laughs> so what you feed on is going to dictate what happens in your body or in you. Amen? Everybody follow me so far? All right. And also, if we looked at fish need space to grow and where they swim affects how they grow. Hello now, you getting with me? So what the fish eats determines how they grow and where they swim determines how that fish will grow. It's the same thing with Christians. And Peter's about to explain how we can grow. Do you want to grow in your faith? You're going to get a very clear, a re-emphasize again on what Peter is saying throughout this whole chapter of 2 Peter chapter 1. Because if you and I can become this six-foot-plus shock when we learn to eat what God has given us to eat of his word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And where we choose to swim, because the company you keep is the food you eat. And so if we decide to swim in areas that keeps us in a puddle, we'll never grow. But if we decide to swim and be everything God's created you to be, then there is no limit. There is no limit. You can grow to the person that God wants you to grow, but you can't have fear ruling your life. Someone say fear. Now watch this. Put fear in the rear and faith in place. Say that. Put fear in the rear and faith in place. If you're going to grow, you need to allow your faith to grow, and this is what this is all about. Now, there's only two ways you can really grow in God, two directions, I would say. One is upward, and then one is outward, and outward's kind of like you doing your own thing. So if you grow in God, you're going to focus on God's word. You're going to make God a very important part of your life because you recognize he is life. You're going to not, uh, you're going to focus on who, where you hang and the friends you hang around. Let me ask you a question. Do your friends build you up or tear you down? Do your friends have words of encouragement or the words of just bringing you down? Do they help you or hurt you? Are they making you better or bitter? The people you hang with, are they really helping you? If they're not helping you, they're drowning you. In some sense, they're killing you slowly because the company you keep is the food you eat. 
The second thing I want you to understand is that are you learning? Are you, do you have a spirit to want to learn? Or are you stubborn and say, I shall not be moved? I've been doing it this long now and don't expect me to change now. If you ever say, I don't want to learn, you're stubborn. I'm going to say that again. If you ever say, I don't care whatever area, if you're not willing to learn and go out, you are stubborn and set in your ways. And if you're set in your ways, you are not teachable. Is that hard? Yes. Is it truth? Yes. Do I love you? Yes. Will I speak the truth? Yes. If you just set in your own ways and expect everyone else to change, it's not going to happen. Peter is about to show you how to grow in your faith. And saints, if you're going to grow, that means you're going to have to do something different to get a different result. And so this is important for all of us to know. So we either go to God, so we got godly thoughts, we got his word, we got good friends, we got good surrounding, we put ourselves in that surrounding, we have a, teacher, a teachable spirit where we want to learn, or we can run from God and do our own thing, and God plays no part in my life because you know what? I'm going to do my own thing, and God says, okay, I've created you volitional, I'm going to let you do that. However, remember, your decisions today are your results tomorrow. Get that understand. The decisions we make today, it's only a matter of time. And I'm saying time. time. Time will show you. Your decisions you make today will be your results tomorrow. And that tomorrow could be years and whatever, but it's going to, it's going to show up. So I want to really emphasize this today, and I want you to get this because this is so important. If you're going to grow, it's got to be intentional. Someone say intentional. I mean, ask yourself a question. How much Bible reading do you know? How much scripture do you know? How much time do you spend in the word of God? How much time do you really make time for study? How much time do you spend with God? And so I ask you this because if we don't get the foundation, you're never going to rise up to become this vessel that can grow if you just stay secure and safe. I remember the day when I was very comfortable many, many, many years ago, it seems. I had great job, good money. I had everything kind of like what I wanted. And then God came on the scene and told me to leave everything. Now, when you have a lot of stuff, and I had a lot of stuff, stuff that I liked, and told me to leave everything, sell everything, or give it away, and go to school, a place that I even hated. I didn't like school. I mean, tr truly, curse. school was a curse word to me. I hated school. But I started to get a hunger in me where I wanted more. And after three years of college, God did a work in me where I was still a hungry hippo and went on for many, many, many more years of college. And in that process, I got a chance to recognize that God wants to do a work in us, but the work is progressive, but you have to work with God. You understand that? It just doesn't happen. You have to work with God. You have to say, okay, God, I'm teachable. Say that, I'm teachable. Now, say it like you really mean it. I'm teachable. you got to be teachable. Let's go to this portion of Scripture because everything is wrapped with verses 5 to 7. Let's read it. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith 
goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to per perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly love, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. This is the essence of what Peter is talking about. We've covered this already, and we need to lay the foundation today. It says, you... You make every effort to add to your faith, not the faith of somebody else. God's not going to do it. You have to do it. You have to make every effort to add to your faith these characteristics that are of God. It's important. You have to make the effort. You have to add to your faith. Pastor, I don't know if my faith has grown in the last three years. Pastor, I don't know if my faith has grown in the last... Ten years, I don't really know. I feel like I've been the same, just believe in God, believe in God. But am I really stepping out? Am I really trusting God with greater things? Am I willing to even do whatever he asked me to do? Am I willing to talk to whoever I need to talk to? Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm growing. Well, ask yourself a question. Ask yourself a question. Do you have faith? Then what is faith? Faith is a conviction of having a strong assurance that God is more than able. Not doubting when times get tough, but knowing your God is going to work out. Now, will you have moments? Everybody say this nice and loud. Yes, come on. Yes. You're going to have moments. We all have moments. And a moment's okay, but it's not a lifestyle. You're human. And because you're human, you're going to have moments where you say, God, not liking this. Not at all. Not liking this one bit. But I know you have a plan. Even though I don't understand, I'm going to trust you. You see how faith comes into the picture? Faith is this conviction and having this assurance that God is more than able. And then we talk about goodness, or we talk that word goodness really is virtue. And virtue is living with a moral Excellence before God, doing what God has asked you to do, moral. You know what's right, you know what's wrong according to what God, you're living that way. So are you living the way God has asked you to live? Knowledge, this is knowing the correct insight. We'll talk a little bit more about this knowledge, what this knowledge really means, a difference knowledge from the world versus from knowledge of God. But I want you to say, do you live with the knowledge of God? Are you growing in God's knowledge? You cannot grow in relationship unless you grow in God's understanding, God's knowledge. Let me go one step further. Whoever's in your life, the closeness you are to that person will be dictated by how well you know them. Because the more to know them is to truly love them. I'm not going to break out in the song, but I do, and I do. The other one is self-control is a self-discipline to discipline yourself in the things that God has asked you to do, knowing God has given us the roadmap, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. You, you put, and someone's not telling you, don't do that. There is a Holy Spirit who will speak to you, and you will know what you're supposed to do, and you have to do it yourself, self-discipline. These things are how you grow in your faith. Perseverance is just bearing when trials come. You don't give up. You persevere. 
You're in a hardship. You're in a difficult situation. But you allow your faith because you have an assurance in your God that he's more than able and his word is truth. And so you do not give up because when you give up, you do not win. Because winners never quit and quitters never win. And if you don't quit, you will win. Because greater is he that's in you than in the world. See, we know these things, but when we're faced with some problems, do we apply that? That's where your faith comes in. Godliness is a character out of devotion for God. You live in a godly mindset because you, you want to reflect God. And then, of course, brotherly kindness. That is where you are downright kind. I mean, I can't get that simpler, but I can tell you from experience how many people don't even know how to be kind to one another, especially, hey, if you have a bad day, don't dump your mess on somebody else. It's not fair. It's not fair for you to dump your mess on someone else when they don't deserve it just because you're having a bad day. Someone say amen. That was a good amen. That was really a good amen. Because it's true. Because, you know, I'm fed up to hear, and someone comes in there, hey, how you doing? Can I help? I don't want any help. They go, like, what? See, we dump on people like I don't know what. Kindness is being kind no matter how bad your day is. This is how you show the characteristics of God, and, of course, love. Love is the highest act of goodwill towards God and to others. I mean, this is just loving people. Even when they don't deserve it, you still love them. And even when they're unkind to you, you still say, you know what, I'm praying for you. I love you. And sometimes we say, I love you in Christ because we can only love them in Christ. And some would say, amen. amen. That's okay because we know that's the truth. If it wasn't for God, we couldn't love each other, could we? But because God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son. If God did that for you and me, then we need to do that for all those we see. Can someone say amen? amen. Come on, I'll preach even longer. <laughs> you see, these are the, these, when we go forward here, these, this is the list. This is the list that if you want to add to your faith, you want to make every effort to put these things and grow in your faith. Now, look what happens in verse 8 and 9. This is powerful. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop there. We'll hit 9 in a little bit. Let's look at this. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, this is not like a dab of love and a dab of kindness, a little bit of perseverance. These, this is when you are determined to keep growing. Now, the, we've talked about this already, but when you see these lists, it's not like a ladder, even though a lot of times we use it, and even I did, a ladder of all these qualities. The word, to add to, these, add to your faith, is more adding all these all at once. You're working all of these qualities all at once. It's not like you, you get love down and, and after love you get perseverance. And, and, and No, it's you're working on the whole thing all at once. But listen to what it says. For if you possess these qualities, when you possess something, what does it mean? It's yours. It's yours. It's all yours. You own kindness. You own love. You own 
character of, of walking godly and virtuous. You own it. It's part of your character. And it says if you do these things, you're going to be ineffective. You're going to, you're going to, it's going to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive, which means you're going to be effective and productive. How many want to be effective? Yeah, that was an amen right there. That was, an, that was perfect, Roman. Effective definition is life with seeing results. Seeing what we want to see. Effectiveness. And then pro, pro, uh, productive is bringing a change, seeing the difference by the things you say and do. And people say, wow, you're very productive. You've taken your life and done all this. There's a promise that comes with applying these things. You want your life to change? Put these things in your life, and I'm telling you what, God is going to change you from the inside out, and then people will start to see it. All of this is about gaining God's knowledge. Now, the word knowledge is epinosis. You have to understand, it's just not the common knowledge, but epinosis is God's correct knowledge. Knowledge, God's correct word. The three ways I want to explain the definition for this word, epinosis, is to become thoroughly acquainted with. You are thoroughly acquainted with who God is. Well, how does that happen? You want to know the author? You have to. You want to know the author? You have to. Mm. But the problem is God's people are not reading the book. But then the first thing that when they have problems, they want to blame God. It's all God's fault, you know. Always God's fault. But then I would say, wait, wait, wait a minute, where do you spend the responsibility? What have you done? How much are you in his word so you can do? Because you can't know God unless you get really into his word. So epinosis is becoming thoroughly acquainted with or to know thoroughly, deeply, intimate. You know God. You know what God's word says and you're willing to trust him in the process even when it's tough. To know accurately to know God well. How do you get to know God well? The, the one who created all the universe. There's only one way to get to know God way, God well. It's through the word and, and through prayer. That's it. You want to know the author, you have to read his book. And, prob- and the thing is, most people are criticizing things that take place in their life, but they, they haven't spent time in God's word. Oh, they will complain and find this, this person's fault and this person's fault and they should have and they should have. And they never say, you know what, what are you doing? What part do you play the equation? Because it's easy to play the blame game, but when you blame, it's lame. So I want you to get this. Epinosis is really thoroughly acquainted with God, and this is what Peter's saying. He says, guys, I know there's false teachers that are rising up. I know there's false doctrines that are taking place, but you got to know God. you got to know God. God's going to help you if you turn to God and start doing the things he's asked you to do and reflect him. Look at verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. This is really great. I, I, I love this part here because I, I kind of went on a tangent. When I thought of thinking about it, uh, there's two. How many are nearsighted here? You're nearsighted. You see things near. Myopia. Yeah. How many are farsighted? You think things far really, really good, but you can't think things close. Yeah. That's hyper. Uh, that's hyperopia. And so you got these two problems with the eyes that can be solved by glasses. 
It's amazing how the eye works. Just alone, if you studied the eye, would, would show you the existence of God. That being said, Peter says this. Three things are going to happen if you don't put these and add these to your faith. You're going to become nearsighted. You're going to become blind. And you're going to forget what God has done for you, how you've been forgiven. How does that take place? Well, myopia is nearsighted. And it's also part of the blind because a person who has myopia, nearsighted, they can see close. But they are blind as a bat when it comes far away. They can't see anything without glasses on. It's the same thing when a person is farsighted. I want you to understand that when a person becomes nearsighted, this is what happens. you got to catch this. All you pay attention to is what's happening in your life right now. If your life is good, ooh, hallelujah, ha But if your life not going too well, and you see all these problems, and all you're thinking about is everything close by, everything close, you're not looking at the future, all you are, you're so nearsighted, you can't see anything God's doing. And so the Bible says, but if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, meaning all he is focusing on is the problem of his day. All he's focusing on is what he sees or what she sees. If there's fear, doubt, anger, resentment, despair, all of these things come with people who are nearsighted. They get all frustrated because of their present situation. I started asking myself a question. And I said, Lord, What's a good example in the scripture of someone who is nearsighted, they're in a problem, and there's many of them. And I decided to go to a popular portion of scripture in, in the second Kings chapter 6, and it's about Elisha. And Elisha, it was a man of God who did many miracles. And Elisha had a servant. So listen to this. Let's go and read this text here, and this is a, a great portion of a person who becomes nearsighted and can't see what God is doing because we do the same thing we only look at what we see what's happening but we don't know that God's doing something even more look at verse 11 this enraged the king of Aram 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 was trying to destroy an enemy of Israel he summoned his officers and demanded of them will you not tell me which of us in this is on the side of the king of Israel None of us, my lord the king, said one of the officers, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. And I get your liver quiver right there? Wow. Go find out where he is, and the king ordered, so I can send men to capture him. And the report came back, he is in Dotham. Can anybody stop for a second? Can we just stop there? So this is a man who's telling the king of Aram everything, all the plans that he's trying to bring havoc to Israel. And he then says, let's go capture him. Like, like Elisha's not going to know this. You know what I mean? It's just human wisdom is so foolish. Verse 14. Then he went, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there and went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, this is where I want to talk about, got up and went out early the next morning. The army with horses and chariots were surrounded, they surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. 
Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed. Someone say Elisha prayed. Mm. Lord, look at this prayer. Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Come on, does that not make your liver quiver? He was all worried because he was nearsighted. All he could see was the present problem, his circumstance, but he couldn't see what God was working because he didn't have that sight. That's exactly what happens to us. We get so so focused on what we see, so nearsightedness that we don't focus on what God has. Someone say, God has a better plan. Come on now, say it like you really mean it. God has a better plan. God has a better plan, and God wants to give you sight to see, and he wants to help you. But you need to recognize that if you're going to stay nearsighted, and that's what Peter's saying to the, the followers. Listen, don't look at your problems and your circumstance. You will start to apply these things in your life, and your faith is going to grow. And when your faith is going to grow, God's going to help you to be very uh, blessed with full of benefits in your life. But if you're not going to apply these things, you're going to be like a person nearsighted that only sees things near and can't see what God's doing in the big picture. And the worst part, the worst part comes next. Because they forget about everything God done, but we'll get there for a second. Paul the Apostle in 831 says this. If God be for us, come on now. If God be for us, who can be against us? But when we find ourselves against a rock in a hot place, that's where your faith has to rise up. But you can only rise up your faith if you have the word of God within you. That's why you have to be a reader they say readers are leaders. I tell you, the reason why that's the case is because the more you know about God, the more God will show you about him. And now all of a sudden, you're going to grow and something's going to happen and you're not going to be so nearsightedness. You're not going to allow everything that you see. Look, look what the scripture says here. I love this portion here found in Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Someone say things above. Mm -mm -mm. where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Wow. God's saying, listen, don't go get your mind so set on what you see. But when people were nearsightedness, all they're thinking about is my problem, my problem, my pain, my pressure, my hurt. Woe is me. And not recognizing that in the midst of pain, in the midst of pressure, God works incredible acts. If it wasn't for the pressure put under coal, we would never get a diamond. If it wasn't for the irritation of the sand, in an oyster, we never get a pearl. We have to realize that the afflictions sometimes that we endure for a time, for a season, can produce great, great results in our heart and life that we can become better because of what we go through. Because it's not about going through it, it's getting to it. And I believe with all my heart that every single struggle and every situation, if we start to just apply these things to our faith, 
make every effort to add to our faith. You have to do your part by obedience and taking God's word. But if you're not in the book, if you really don't want to know the author, you're not going to be in the book because you know what? There's other things I have to do. I have so many things I have to do. God, I, I know I should, but I, I just don't have time. I hear this all the time. I don't have time. We're so busy. i got to do. i got to do. You're so much a Martha, you don't know how to be a Mary. And if you're going to grow, you got to be an Eminem. you got to be a Mary and a Martha because you need both of them to go and grow. I want you to understand something. Stop giving yourself excuses. Everybody has a calendar and everybody's busy. But if you're too busy for Jesus, if you're too busy for Jesus, oh my, my, my. If you're too busy for Jesus, you're too busy. I know that so well. Because I was the one who was way too busy. So before I start my day, I don't do nothing until I spend my time with my best friend. Done that for years and years. And then take a break during the day and spend some time with my best friend. Because my God is my best friend. I want you to understand something. God doesn't want you to be nearsighted. He wants you to understand what he wants to do in you. He wants you to remember all that he has done for you because the nearsighted person has forgotten all that God has done. They're so nearsighted that they're focused on their problem. They forget how Jesus has done so much for them. He's forgiven them. He's helped them. But all we're doing is, God, why me? Why me? Oh, me, oh, me, oh, my, oh, my. When you start singing a song like that, that's when... You go, oh me, oh my, my spirit is about to die. Because you're complaining and finding fault. You're not really looking at a big picture. Listen, the joy of the Lord is your, the joy of the Lord is your. That joy is not circumstantial. That joy that you have in God is not according to when things are going wonderful. It's even when things are difficult. And you can still have a joy in the Lord and you can trust him and say, you know what, God? You're going to turn this around, you're going to rise up a testimony, and I'm going to broadcast it everywhere I go. God gets glorified. So please, don't get myopia, spiritual myopia. Spiritual myopia will cause you to look at your problems and never look at your God. And that's exactly if you don't apply this list. Let's continue. Verse 10 says this, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more, I like that, someone say eager to make. Mm, be an eager beaver. Is there any eager beavers out there? You're eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, what things? The list of five, and five through seven. If you do these things, you will never fall. You're going to have a relationship with God. It's going to be deep. It's going to be meaningful. If every, you make every effort to add to your faith goodness or, or virtue and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love, these are just a few of many more. But man, if you can't be kind, if you can't be self-control, someone's really mean to you, you're driving the road, they cut you off, and you, you, you let them know spiritually, you jerk! You dummy! Oh, ho, ho. Let me tell you, give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to catch up to that guy. You know, you know. You're going to be doing that a lot nowadays. 
Because there's so much road rage today on the road. How many have ever experienced it? You could do the right thing, and they make you feel like you've done the wrong thing. You're like, what? Whatever. I just pull over and say, go. Life is so busy. Go, go, my friend. Go. Perseverance. You got to, don't quit. These things you have to add. Therefore, my brothers, be of all more eager to make your calling. It's just saying, listen, this is your part of your development, of your salvation. You do a part. You're volitional. Don't just say sovereignty, sovereignty, all is sovereignty. That's an excuse. God has made you volitional. God, all through Scripture, is talking about your choices of what you do. Here in, the, in these verses, Peter is over and over again. Make every effort. Who is he talking to? To the person. All the more eager to make. Who is he talking to? To the follower, to the person. Your faith grows according to you. You. Do you want your faith to grow or do you just want to be the same? Do you want to be the same? It's a big choice to make. Look at verse 11. And you will receive, oh, oh, look at your neighbor and say, I think a good thing's coming. <laughs> and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can someone say there's going to be a pate in heaven one day? You will receive a rich welcome. What does that mean? That when you come into the heavens, come into glory, when you come into God's kingdom, there's going to be a bunch of people going, Woo! I guess I'm the only one excited. I guess you'll get excited when you get there. If you do these things, if you do these things, and you're not one who has spiritual myopia, guess what? Be a rich welcome when you come into the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a benefit. Here it is. It says if you start to grow your faith, you're going to be productive and effective. And there's a benefit. And it says you're going to have a rich welcome. What does that mean? Because one who walks with God is going to be blessed by God. Do you want to be blessed? I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed in such wonderful ways. I, I tell you, I'm happy when you're blessed. I can't tell you that. How I, I'm so happy when you're blessed. That makes my day. You know, Clean Eastwood one day said, punk, make my day. Well, you want to make pastor's day? <laughs> Add these things to your faith and be blessed of God. And let the blessings of God be all over you. Let the favor of God smile upon you because of your faithfulness. That's the beauty of it all. First Corinthians says, No eye has seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered the mind of man, the things that God has for those that love him. Let's close up with these few verses here found in verse 12 to 15. So I will always remind you of these things, Peter says. I've had people come up to me, you know, Pastor, I know this stuff already. And I laugh a lot. I just laugh. Because people know things, but just because you know things don't mean you're doing these things. I'll take for kindness, for example. So one person one time came up to me and said something, and, you know, and yet that same person said, I know these things. I saw be unkind to a person. And I said to myself, it's amazing what we know versus what we do. Amen? It's not what we know. It's what we do. So Peter is saying, 
So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Verse 13. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ had made clear to me. He's going to be dying very shortly. And I will make every effort. Someone say every effort. Every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Everything in chapter 1 is focusing on verses 5 and 7. Everything is focused. Add to your faith. Make every effort. So here, he's, here he goes and he gives a list. Peter tells them, listen, I'm going to remind you. I know they're firmly established. You know these things. But I'm going to remind you and remind you and remind you because I want it to be in you. I want you to live this. I want it to be like me, natural. I'm going, I'm going to remind you while I'm still in this body. Paul the Apostle called this body a tent. Peter called this body a tent. This tent, this body, holds your soul, your spirit. All this body is, is a house for the spiritual person, spiritual man. I want you to know when you die, it's going to depart. Your body will stay and be lifeless because the spirit will be gone. And Paul says, while I'm still in the tent, and if you notice anything about tents, how many have ever gone camping and you camped in a new tent, new tent, huh? And it poured and you were like, oh, this is great. Love it. Then you camped another time 10 years later with the same tent and it poured. I don't love camping. This tent is leaking. Because tents get old. Tents start to wear down. Amen? So a tent is a good description of this body in which we have. We try to make this tent look good. <laughs> it's still a tent. My mother, when she was maybe, maybe 85 or something like that, she went to the doctor. And the doctor said, you're 85. You look fantastic. My mom said, yeah, I may look fantastic, but these bones are 85. So he said, while I'm in this tent, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you. Until I finally go home, I know my time, the Lord has shown me my time is coming to a closure. And I want to make sure when I leave that you're good with this. He cared. He cared. I want you to understand something that's important. If your faith has not been changed in God in a while and you're just living Christianity and nothing's changing, you've got to ask yourself, how long do you want to continue to do that? Those watching online, God has a great life for you. But sometimes so often we end up doing the same stuff every single year, always planning with great ambitions to have this year is going to be the fantastic year with all these new resolutions and so forth and so on. But we end up just repeating it again over and over and over again because we never stick to a plan. We never go to the one that can help us with the plan. And the first plan, the first plan is to make sure that your heart's right for God, that you have your sins forgiven. What if the man who gains the whole world and yet loses his soul, he profits nothing? The things of this world are just things we use. It's not things that we love. We love God and love people. We don't love things 
things will pass away. But what's so important for you and I to recognize is that to do the list that's in 5 and 7 to simply walk according to God's way and to increase our faith by applying these few characteristics is there's so much more in Scripture, but these are just get the main few here. It's not hard to be kind. It's not hard to really love. It's not hard to, to be self-disciplined. You just have to want to. I want you to close your eyes before the Lord for a second. I want the Holy Spirit just to speak to your heart because this is so important. If I can have some music. It's so important that you and I understand your faith is important with God. How much time in prayer are you spending with God? And how much time are you sharing it with other people? You see, you are to be salt and light. You are to be his ambassador. You are to be growing in God on a daily basis. Just stop for a second. I want you just to say how much time do you make room for God during your day, during your week? I want you to think about these qualities that we find here in First, Second Peter. To add to your faith, having faith, your faith is to grow. That the more knowledge you get of God, the more you get to know God in the beginning of this chapter. From chapter two, uh, chapter one, verses two to about four, it says that we have abundant peace and abundant grace through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Abundant grace and abundant peace. That means God wants to give you so much more. How many here today? How many here today really want more of God? Raise your hand. Right where you are, just say, "I want more." I want more of God. I want more. Raise your hand if you want more of God. Yeah, yeah. And the, you put your hands down. And the second thing is, ask yourself a question. How do I get more, more of God? What do I need to do? Do you want more? And then how do I get more? I, I want to give you the answer today. That's hunger and thirst. That's seeking God. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have them put the music a little louder. And I'm going to pray. And one of the things I like to do today is I'm going to challenge you to seek the Lord at the altars that God would alter you. If you want God, then be hungry. If you want God, then he's going to give you a meal and to spend a time to say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Those online. Those online. Do you want God? Do you really want God part of your life? I mean, we say we do. But there's got to be an action that shows that we really seriously want God in there. And so the first thing is making God Savior of your life. To say, God, I, I've fallen. I've, I've sinned. I've done my own thing. I, I've been selfish. And maybe you hear today the same thing. I've done my own thing. I've been selfish. And you say, God, come into my life. I no longer want to live the same way. And I want to be changed by your grace. And I want your peace. And I want your ways. And I want your word. I want to do your work. And this day, this day, I want you as my Savior. I want you as my God because I know you came and died for me. You love me so much that you died for me. That's what love is. 
Love is someone that will be able to give up themselves for you. That's what Jesus did. And I, I want you right now to say, come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me. In the name of Jesus, forgive me. And I choose you for the rest of my life. Just say, I choose you the rest of my life. I'm going to pray right now for you all here and for those online. But I'm going to pray. And after that, I'm just going to open up the altars. And if you really want hunger, I want you to spend some time. I don't care. If you think something's more important that you've got to get to, then come into God. Then that's your choice you make. But God's got to be first. And if you can't do it in church, you're definitely not going to do it in the world. And if we're going to change, if we want God to be God and we want his presence to fill the, the tabernacle and we want God to show up and do some marvelous works, then there needs to be some hunger from the saints of God. There needs to be a hunger for God, a thirst for God. They, there needs to be a God, I need you. I really don't. I want you, God. I don't want to live on yesterday's old bread. I want to live on fresh manna that comes from your throne, comes from your word, and I need you. That's the heart that God's looking for. That's the heart that God wants. He wants hunger in the hearts. He wants hunger in the soul. He wants us to understand. He wants us to be close to him. And when we're close to God, God's going to come close to you, and he's going to meet you right where you are, what you need, because he's a living God with a living hope, and he's all for you. He's for you. He's for you don't get distracted don't get distracted get attracted to God get attracted to God let him renew you let him refresh you let him transform you by his power and his might his ways so he can do his works in your life can you stand to your fight your feet hallelujah Father, I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would do a work in each heart. Lord, that people, your saints, and those watching online would be hungry for you and that they would want to know more. And for those to get into a good church, that they can grow, they can grow to become all that you called them to be. Lord, we open up these altars. May your Holy Spirit just minister as hearts are just hungry for you, God. Hungry for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.